brother. Have we started the fire? Yes. The fire rises. Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and most actively on Twitter at TFRBatPod. If you'd like to engage with the show, you have thoughts, questions, comments, maybe even suggestions for future episodes, you can send us an email at tfrbatpod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host. Now, every episode begins, as I just did, by telling you that we focus on all things the Dark Knight and his world. And that is something that I truly believe in and was the driving force of starting this show. Now, the thing is... Not all things in the world of the Dark Knight and, or Batman are products of DC Comics or Warner Brothers. Some parts of Batman's world are passion projects, created by independent parties with a love and a passion for the character. And that is what this episode is all about. So for this episode, I had the distinct honor and privilege of interviewing Mr. Matthew Zeiss, who is the creator and the star of Batman the Fan Series. Matthew has a fascinating story of his journey through his love of Batman, starting the series, and adversities that almost destroyed his dream of making it to continue after the pilot. So, I truly hope that you enjoy this interview as much as I did recording it. And without any further exposition on my part, enjoy my chat with a real live-action Batman, Matthew Sykes. Guys, I have the privilege of welcoming on an actual Batman today. We are uh, we are interviewing the Batman Bruce Wayne matches Malone from Batman the Fan Series, Mr. Matthew Zeiss. Matthew, am I saying your last name right? Yeah, man. Good job. I literally, as you were about to say, I'm like, oh, how's he going to say it? I was, <laughs> I was like, is he going to say Zeiss or Zeiss? But you said it right, man. Well, you know, funny enough, I was, I was, it, it's similar to Zaz, so I, I kind of just went with the, the, the double S's. It's funny. There's actually a, a there's actually a character in Batman uh, with my last name. It's funny, uh, which is super rare and was awesome for me to find. Awesome, awesome. So, um, usually when we when we have people on for the first time, we asked about the 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 person's history and connection with the character of Batman. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Perfect. Oh, sure, man. I mean, honestly, the last thing I said actually will tie into it with the uh, the character with my name. But uh, you know, when since I was a little kid, just been loving 
I mean, who doesn't love Batman? I feel like every boy at some point growing up and, you know, loves Batman. And, uh, but it was always my dream. Literally just the other day I found, uh, I found a piece of paper from high school of just my plans already for whatever Batman film I'd be creating. Uh, and now I'm 34 and the plans haven't really changed all that much. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, I feel like right now we have, you know, aside from my always, I mean, and I mean, true infatuation for the character, but I guess around high school, around the time when I was writing that script, it fell off a little bit before maybe, oh, you know what, probably even before I wrote that, I was in about ninth grade, and I walked to the local, uh, like, drugstore, convenience store, and there was, like, a little spindle of comic books, and naturally, I was drawn to Batman, even though I hadn't read Batman in years at the time, probably since, you know, I was a child, and I pick up the comic book and it's the first Batman comic book I've picked up in years. And I turn and I flip through it, which I guess is rude. You're supposed to buy it and not read it. It's not a library. <laughs> right. But so I'm going through it. And the last page is the penguin addressing a guy just by his last name, which was Zeiss. And much like me, at the, I had very much Elvis like hair and his name was Zeiss, and I was blown away. I'm like, I, oh, my God. I was like, what a better reason to get into this comic right now than than me. You know, people just call me Zeiss for the most part. And now I see this character. Unfortunately, he's a psycho villain, but nonetheless, <laughs> it's a good sign. So I just got back into it, and that was by uh, Scott McDaniel and Ed Brubaker. Uh, I don't know if you ever read their line, but it was so good. It really, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I feel like it doesn't get enough props in the Batman community, in the Batman world, I feel like, you know, you hear a lot about, and rightfully so, Zero Year, which also got me very much pumped. Mm -hmm. I don't know, if, I imagine you read Zero Year. Uh, uh, I'm a huge Snyder and Capullo fan. So. Yeah, man. They, that, I mean, that is the, to me, the best, the best comic uh, for Batman that's come out since the, since the origin of Batman. I feel like it was a genuine re-origin that felt like okay this does the character so much justice you know like i loved when they basically retold their origin but in their own way i thought that was great you know it's not often you get something with their with uh someone's own flavoring on it usually it's just the same old same old and they truly added a well that you know what uh, another comic book that i think is phenomenal is um oh my goodness What's the one that's coming out this 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 summer? The part three, Earth One. Earth uh, One, yeah. yeah. I thought that was a great retelling too. Both of those, to me, would tie for uh, best Batman comic book that's been out since forever. But to to really truly answer your question, because I've gone on like eight tangents now, but <laughs> that's that's what that's all what got me into wanting to do the Zero Year. To be honest, in particular, uh, is really gave me a feeling i had read that at the same time that i was watching daredevil on netflix and at, while i was watching daredevil I'm like man this is a batman show i was like this is a batman show without batman this and i get daredevil's very similar so you know hardcore daredevil fans are gonna be like no it's a daredevil show but it's just the characters have so many parallels but that show mm -hmm. is so i love that show i'm not a big marvel guy but that show and paired with zero year really influenced me in a huge way. Well, yeah. And I don't think that's, that's offensive because I, I would say that arrow really, when it first started was a Batman show without Batman. So, right. 
Uh, yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't get into it long, but I was a bigger Smallville guy. But yeah, no, I, I read a lot of people saying what you just said that Arrow was a Batman show without Batman. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, uh, thanks for that answer, man. That's probably I can tell you you have a passion for the character because that's that's probably the most in depth answer I've had for that question for a first timer on the show. Yeah, I, I do love the character. I mean. Also, I'm a natural talker, so it's unfortunate. I'm the guy that people have to go, yeah, no, that's cool, enough now. Uh, <laughs> especially about Batman. If I talk about Batman or Elvis, I could talk for hours, but, you know, I think a lot of filmmakers, too, and it further answers the question with actually, you know, see, you'll definitely get an hour out of me, by the way. I, uh, the, I feel like, although we've seen great renditions no one's really given us a live-action, true, true Batman. I, I do have faith that Matt Reeves is going to come super close, if not hit the money on it. But I wanted to do my best to kind of give fans something to look at and be like, yeah, like that's, that's a comic book origin or comic book just vibe come to life. You know, mm -hmm. Mask of the Phantasm and the animated series come to life. Uh, that's really cool, man. Uh, so... Speaking of that, what was so getting into Batman the fan series? What was really the spark that started this whole this whole thing? Well, it, it really was the comic and uh, the the zero year paired with Daredevil. And I, I thought to myself, like, you know what? I, I just it was a natural. I didn't even have to like. It wasn't like okay, you got to do this. It was almost like a natural inclination where okay, it, that's it. That's that's the. I talked to a, a guy that I was friends with at the time. And he was down to do to do the project as well, and he helped film the first one. Um, it was it was uh, it was great, and it was so much fun. We had you know, and it was just really putting the idea out there for for people who wanted some Batman content. I feel like we weren't getting a whole lot. Zack Snyder, his Batman's great. I think Ben Affleck's phenomenal Batman, but you know there would be it would have been nice to just have something extra you know just a little extra spice in the batman pot of gumbo uh mm. bat, bat gumbo <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was just adding something more you know we get we get some great content from bat in the sun uh you know they're dying is easy i'm sure you saw uh, mm -hmm. they did a great job it, it's you know but that's but that's you know that's very much uh uh, a natural mythology where you know going through Arkham with the with the you know whole stir pot of uh, of villains and such. But I don't know what the hell a stir pot is. That just came out. <laughs> it sounds like a real term. It should be anyway. It does. Uh, yeah. It's like just making up words. I'm gonna trademark that. We um yeah. So but this is gonna be this is gonna be a an uh, as natural of a take on it as it could be you know uh, in a real life world that's kind of that's i'm people are going to hate me for saying this i'm not a huge batman begins guy like i enjoy it as a movie i enjoy it as entertainment i think it's a great take but when i watch it i don't truly feel batman feels uh you know there are batman-esque things that i mm -hmm. love about it but i like a little more a little less realistic. Like he went super real world. Ours is going to kind of be right in between because we're going to still do, I showed you the cowl that we're using. Uh, and you know, that's not real world cowl. Like a guy who is actually being Batman in the real world probably wouldn't wear that, but right. 
I'm trying to, I still want to add that awesome theatrics. At the end of the day, it's still a, a movie, it's still a series, whatever you want to call it. And it's nice to have that extra theatrics. You know, that's what you're watching. It's something theatrical. So putting a mixed blend of Batman Begins with this, we're going to, you know, the villains are going to be taken in a much more realistic fashion. Uh, not, I don't mean then Batman Begins, I mean then the comic book, you know, not as real probably as what it's it i'm trying to think of shows have like um did you watch swamp thing oh yeah i love swamp thing so i think swamp thing was incredible and i mean that's a great show and uh they did it so dark so if you picture we're gonna try to go somewhere in between daredevil and swamp thing that's where this batman kind of sits in tone wise you know uh real and dark mixed with you know, further, less real and dark. Yeah, I mean, that's those are two pretty good shows to pull from, so that, that sounds promising. Now, um, the the pilot came out in May of 2019. Uh, how long before that, like, like, when did you start the process of casting, filming, all that good stuff? Uh, I had started, so I've had a few... Um, a few versions of this always going on in my head. At first, it was called. I had I had written a thing called Gotham Horror, but then Gotham, the TV show, came out, and obviously, you know, that we're talking about some time ago. But that's when I had a script for an idea of like like a high school kind of Batman version, like a Smallville Batman, and I called mm-hmm. it Gotham Horror. And then they came out with a show called Gotham, which pretty much was a similar kind of concept of probably what I would have wound up doing. Uh, my idea was a little older, like I said, a high school level Batman doing it very much smaller. So mm-hmm. then I had that, then I wrote a, a script or I started writing a story called Batman awakened, which was different than what this would have, would have been. And I had started the casting for that, which is where I found Carl, uh, Digmundo who played Alfred and I got him I had already become friends with. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember how I met him. To be honest, I'm trying to think. But uh, he's, he's a fantastic Alfred, by the way. Very oh, com. Very comics accurate. Oh, I love him, man. When, but I met him through the guy who plays Commissioner Gordon, Adam Ginsberg. But when I when he introduced me to Carl, he sends me Carl's picture, and because I, I had reached out to him at the time in batman awakened he was going to play the joker actually and then as time went on it occurred to me that oh you know what actually he would make a phenomenal commissioner gordon with a mustache i had seen a picture of him with a beard i was like throw some glasses on i think he'll he'll do a really good job uh both visually and he's a legitimate actor and then he one day i sent him the characters i needed and he sent me back carl's picture and i'll send it to you and i don't have it on hand right now but let me tell you the picture I was blown away. I'm like, it's Alfred. Oh my God, it's Alfred. So when we were filming episode one, when during that cast process and I was sitting in the chair as a huge Batman fan, when I'm sitting in the chair, the bat cave bat table, and I look up at him, dude, it was so surreal for me. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm looking at Alfred in the bat cave. This is incredible. Yeah, that's, that's really cool because most of the time you hear, you hear other actors seeing the character of Bruce Wayne or Batman and, and just freaking out because there's Batman, but you playing the character are freaking out over another actor as Alfred. That's that's really neat. Again, yeah. that shows your passion for the character. I appreciate that. 
And you know what? You know, I never thought of it like that, but that's but that's very true. I remember I got up when we when we when it cut when the scene cut. I got up. I was like, that was so surreal. Holy shit! I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I'm looking right at Alfred in the back here. I was like, that's that's a little boy's dream right there, man. I was like, that's crazy cool. And uh, yeah, no, that was it was one of the coolest moments for sure. Was sitting in the bat chair, which it's funny we film at a place. Uh, in Kings Park called Kings Park Studios here on Long Island, New York, and uh, they their their massage chairs. That's their main source of business. Is a company True Medic that produces massage chairs. So I was like, you know what? Can we use one of those for the Batman chair? He's like, sure, and it worked out perfect. Yeah, it looks great. So talking about the Batcave, that's I wanted to ask like for an, for an independent production like this. Um, what's it like gathering, you, you talked about the different actors you had gotten. What's it like as an independent production, getting actors, casting actors, getting the effects done, getting the music done? What's, what's that process like? It's a lot. It's a lot, but you mean, you know, it works out well that we had a great team on episode one. Uh, and that's what, that was, was really great. We had, we had a, an awesome team that was able to come together. You know, it takes a lot to assemble because you still have to kind of, you know, um, you still have to direct everybody to, to tell them exactly what the vision is and what I just went through puberty for half a second. What the vision is. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I squeaked there for the vision. Uh, so we, uh, you know, I had my friend, John Onderdunk at the time, he was a, or he is a cinematographer, um, and so he was, you know, that was already taken care of. We knew that was going to happen, and then we, we were partners on episode one, and then I, I reached out, oh no, I'm sorry, I'm a liar, uh, Jordan Bryan from England reached out to me after we started the fan, um, the fan page on Instagram, and I began posting some graphics and stuff. He reached out to me, volunteering his services for music. And I said yes, and he did a great job. He, he combined Danny Elfman and the uh, animated series so well, and and with his, you know, with his own like Hans Zimmer flair. It was just, it's a great hybrid of Batman music. We building the set, you know, that I did, I designed from scratch, and then I had help from. Uh, Ken Kiefer, a buddy who helped assemble it, and it you know it was great. It was a great uh, thing. I just basically went through Home Depot uh, and literally just went down the aisles, going, "Okay, I can use this. I can use this. I can use this," and then put them all together and make it look like an actual Batcave. So what you're seeing as the desk is a uh, is like is floorboards that you would face the opposite way. It's basically plywood with plastic. Uh, coating with um, texture on one side and so instead of putting that plastic texture down towards cement like you're supposed to use it for flipped it over use it as a tabletop because I thought you know it's very rugged looking very much what he would uh what he would have then I grabbed some air vents and and tubing and kind of threw that together and the lights that you see coming down from the side that's pool tubing with skinny Edison lights put into it and I, I sprayed it with a a fog and then the the special effects i had gone on guru.com at first mm-hmm. and found this this great guy pal who i've mentioned uh, unfortunately wound up passing away uh absolutely t- 
terrific uh, designer, just so great. We, we paired up and he got the vision so well and he was so, so talented and he created the, the Batcave uh, for us. And he was actually, you know, the, the, the intro second you see the Batcave where he, it was his decision, which was, I thought it was awesome because it added that cinematographer feel. He added motion where you're, the camera's coming into the Batcave, which mm-hmm. is so cool because, you know, like, okay, do you look at it and still, and still know it's not a real-life world? Sure, but is it still awesome to look at? Absolutely. It, it, it looks great. I was, it was something that even as a filmmaker, I was like, you know, knowing what level we're at budget-wise, if I gave the guy a million dollars, I'm sure he could have made it look like you were in a real-life world. But for the money we were able to come to an agreement on, it was perfect. And so hiring all these people, you got to kind of reach in different areas of the Internet and kind of find people. And hopefully some people show up as a network process. Uh, You know, episode two's process was a lot different. Uh, But episode episode one, it was a good learning experience, too. It made the process now a lot easier. Oh, oh, and I don't want to leave out a big help for episode one too was my buddy Rolo Ledesma who's still in episode two he's a professional storyboard artist and he helped oh, wow. paint, yeah no and he helped paint the vision so well I met him years and years ago uh when I wanted to when I was writing my own comic book for a different character that was basically just a Batman knockoff to be very honest and I borrowed some of what I wrote for that comic for this series uh but Rolo you know, we'll meet up and I will, I'll be talking to him. And as I'm talking and, and introducing what's going to happen, he's already writing. I mean, he's already drawing it down and, and he knows exactly what we, we hit such a great, uh, in sync vibe. And I don't mean Justin Timberlake. I mean, like <laughs> completely together, you know, together. We just start singing, bah, bah, bah. uh, <laughs> uh, my wife will appreciate that. <laughs> hey, man, I don't, I, I don't want to be the guy who hates on NSYNC. Super great music. I wouldn't put it in in the film, but those records are phenomenal. Anyway, uh, so props to your wife for enjoying NSYNC. So we, um, we just hit such a vibe together where we knew what each other wanted. I would say what I'm saying. And even if I didn't, I trusted his intuitions to know that he was going to draw exactly what, you know, would be better than what I'm thinking, perhaps. And he's done that quite a few times. He's great. And then I found um, it was a friend of a friend. I believe he was friends with also Commissioner Gordon, Adam Ginsburg, um, Vince Calora, no relation to Sandy Calora from Batman Dead End, as far as I know. But it'd be awesome if it was. He uh, he did our makeup. And the, there's a scene we filmed in episode one that didn't get used, that the makeup was so impressive to me. And it was the beat up look. And we're going to do that for episode two. But he did do the matches Malone look, added a crooked nose, added the fake tattoos. Uh, he picked out my toothpick. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, it was a match. Anyway, I, uh, no, but he, and he's, it's just, yeah, man, we created a great team, everybody together. It couldn't, it can't happen without every department really being the best that we can do. That's awesome. Um, so the gentleman that did, that did the special effects on the, on the cave, he also did your title sequence, correct? 
Yes, yes, he did. Uh, and and Rolo helped me draw that out too. We actually have a storyboard for the intro, and um, that's one of the things I want to give away when we do uh, the GoFundMe as a thing uh, after episode two comes out. Send out a full storyboard book. People who donated. Um, so they can see firsthand what was drawn before the film. I think that be, you know, I'm the kind of person that would appreciate seeing that in person myself as mm -hmm. a fan. If I was watching a film, I'd like it. But he did the title sequence. You know, I wanted it to be also in vibe of what today's series do. It was something a poetic telling. I had the idea. I really wanted the the gun and bats shooting out of the gun to be the first thing you see. I don't know that to me that just seemed cool. It seemed like a cool uh, sim symbolism. So, you know, and the music, uh, Joe Kiefer did, the son of the guy who built the, or helped me yeah, helped me assemble the table, uh, he did the intro song. And the intro song, I again, I basically I basically just beatboxed him the song or just vocally did it. It's me on the, a grown man on the phone going, dun, 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 yeah, and it's so it's it's lit. well no 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 I mean it's me saying that to the guy like that's what you're seeing that's what oh, you see oh gotcha okay <laughs> that's not what you're hearing no 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 I was gonna <laughs> say because that's impressive if that's what you did that would be hilarious <laughs> if if the intro song was just me dun 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 uh, I'm sure it can be done with editing but no he and he. He did it. Uh, he did it great. He edited a good. I, I told him, like, just very simple, almost like an electric guitar, distorted guitar, just doing the old uh, '66 intro, but slower, darker, added detective feel, and and he and he really delivered on that as well. But uh, matched with pals, I loved the intro. I thought it was so. I thought he nailed it. If you see the sketches that were done, he he did it so perfectly. Uh, I just, yeah, to me, it was very Netflix worthy. Yeah, it's phenomenal. You, you were mentioning the Daredevil show earlier. The title sequence really gives me that Daredevil title sequence vibe. Yeah, that's. I'm glad. Thank you. Uh, that's that's. I'm sure you know, Pal would be super happy to hear that because and that, a lot and there was a bunch of people that said that to me, which was awesome. Even people that didn't know it was the influence. Um, that's exactly what people said. Be like, oh man, the, Dare, the the intro gives me Daredevil vibes, which was such a great compliment because. I thought Daredevil intro was super cool, uh, very simple, very, you know, obviously not simple, but visually you didn't have too much to look at without being focused on what really counts. So seeing the intro in a blueprint fashion, and I believe that was his idea to be, that was, that was part of Powell's idea. I don't remember what I saw at the moment, all, all that counts is what was done. Uh, but the blueprint idea was his part that he, he you know, I just had, the, my idea was, the visual of these things going on uh i didn't see but well, the way he did it it would have probably looked worse had he tried to add massive texturing to the images because of the limitations so having it look like the blueprint almost was incredibly symbolic in itself too because you're seeing the blueprint of the gun the bats then you know it's it's just so uh, like there's a fog, there's a haze over it. That's great too. The cityscape, the the train passing by. Um, I think the only thing you don't see there was in the sketches. I had like bullet shells at some point, and and that wasn't 
and Powell made the good idea that, that that wasn't necessary. So you see like some science kits. I love that he, he makes the the movement go at the time of the music, which was awesome too, mm-hmm. where the, the microscope lens at one of the, it makes like a noise, almost like an impact noise when it comes down because of something in the song. Now, I, I, I think he killed it. I could watch that intro all day and I probably watched it at least 20 times when he first sent it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, so you you mentioned uh, losing your your special effects guy, and that, that's that's unfortunate. But the, you actually there was there was quite a bit of adversity you faced following the release of the first episode. I, d- I don't know what you're comfortable talking about, but um, if you're if you're willing, I'd love I'd love for you to talk about. Of course, yeah. Uh, you know, so as everybody knows, I had a huge case of hemorrhoids. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't wear the suit man it was like a baboon trying to fit no uh no so it, i i had a stroke in the summer of 2019 uh and luckily you know no side effects um no lasting side effects just some short um just some memories that that kind of went away not a lot of them but just a few and uh uh yeah so that kind of it was already difficult putting episode two together financially, you know, not that it's ever easy, but it had become really difficult. A lot of money went into part one and, you know, a lot of money for just a regular person who's not a filmmaker to invest of their own. So that was already kind of being a, uh, an anchor a little bit and holding back. Uh, and then like, yeah, so then the summer, that summer, I had a stroke and it, you know, I was in the hospital for like a, a week or so, I guess a week and a half or something. I'm not sure. And it, you know, which I'm lucky there's people that are obviously that have far more severe cases and episodes. So I had never had one before. I wasn't, a, I'm not a seizure. Uh, I don't have seizures. I'm not prone to seizures. And that night I had had a seizure and my body hit the floor and my family was uh, pretty concerned when they heard a giant noise in the. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. So, called the called nine one one, picked me up, and it turns out when I had the seizure and flipped out of bed, the impact of my body sn- uh, snapped my neck and caused the blood clot, which caused the stroke, causing a bite down on my tongue. So uh, now I have two bumps on my tongue, which look very freaking strange but it's because i basically bit a hole through it uh and yeah so then after recovery from that i was kind of i was already like you know okay i i'm also a singer songwriter so then i i kind of wanted to put my energy into that i feel like that's very uh soothing and when you're going through difficult times and such it creates a different kind of energy so at the time i i needed that i think more than i needed batman and some people are going to be like, how dare you? But, uh, yeah. And then, uh, well, uh, Hey, no, look, uh, in my opinion, you, you have to do what's, what's best for you. I mean, Ben Affleck is a perfect example. Um, it, he got to a point where it was unhealthy for him to be, to, for him to continue to be Batman and he had to step away. So I, for anyone who doesn't understand that, you know, it's, you have to make the right decisions for you. So I, I, I certainly appreciate what, what you decided on. Oh, I, I appreciate that. And, and you know what? Someone like Ben Affleck, I completely un- the, uh 
Sorry, I lost you there for a second. Could you yeah. say, say, say it again? A call was coming through that I had to hang up on because uh, that's not what I'm about right now. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the uh, Ben Affleck not going through it the way he did, uh, I totally got. I mean, reading what people say online is so toxic, and it's hard not to. Also, you know, you're going through. I'm sure the back and forth with the Warner Brothers also, but I'm sure for me personally. If you, you know, all the flack he was catching from haters and stuff and, you know, which was ridiculous because I thought he was a great Batman. But then on top of that, when you're getting a studio pulling you back and forth in so many silly directions, mm-hmm. um, it's that's got to be that's got to be tough. So for me, yeah, I had to go into uh, I had to get, I was getting into music and then COVID, of course, happened. And then uh, after that, pal the the special effects designer passed away and then it was kind of like all right this is just this is this is a an uphill battle that i am just not about right now you know i can't be that's just, it's causing too much um it's just it's too much of a struggle it's causing stress mm-hmm. now oh go ahead there you go uh i was gonna say you had you had like you had the cowl and the suit and everything already produced correct uh Yes, yes. The the cowl and the 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 suit were produced for episode one, um, and but we never got the chance to use them. Episode one, the idea was originally that it was going to be episode one and episode two, um, but we never got the chance to use it. The suit at the time was made by Napier Inc. I'm sure. Have you seen them before? Yes. Um, so, yeah, I was following you uh, long before the first episode came out. Uh, I can't remember how I found you. I found you on Instagram, um, and then I saw that all the stuff you were posting, and I think I remember seeing a picture of the cow that you had posted. Maybe. Uh, I did post the – that's the first cow. That's not – like, I've, I've shown you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've shown me the, the newer one. Yeah, and that one, so for for the and people that were like, oh, it's very Wolverine-like, for me, that was the compliment, because that's what it was based on. I wanted it to look Wolverine-like, because to me, Wolverine's cowl, since I was a kid, I'm like, Wolverine's cowl is sick. I mean, that's the first reason I got into Wolverine, was because he looked like Batman to me. So uh, I basically photoshopped a Wolverine cowl into a Batman cowl, you know, I move the ears closer to the head and more pointed up and, and just made it black and gave that to a, a digital animator who then sculpted the first rendition. I then gave that to Keith Hernandez from Hernandez effects. And he, he took the, he took it and made it better and really went with what we were doing. And then I screwed up and I don't think, and I didn't give him accurate measurements and it didn't help that I had a bigger beard at the time. It was just ignorant on my part. So the cowl didn't fit as great as it should have to be on screen. Like it wound up just looking, it wound up looking like I had a weirder head than I do. And uh, (laughs) so this time I was like, I can't have that. I just, I can't, I'm not going to settle for subpar, you know, like that's, it's not going to look great. It needs to look fantastic so um i was like all right let's do a different one and i went in a different direction anyway where i want to go 
as you've seen, more organic, more uh, just something more natural and more towards, you know, more bat-like, more also, in my opinion, in the 1939 Batman, you know, you're talking legitimate batter, more bat ears. They, they, they don't go straight up. They go back and up, and mm-hmm. that's the, my that's my visual preference of Batman. I like when he has those ears. I think that uh, it just makes more sense to me if you're trying to look like a bat. I wanted. I'm a big fan of you know the pointed shoulder look because I think that it creates a more intimidating Batman. I think if you're trying to disguise yourself in the middle of the night as as a human bat, I think it's very you know, poignant to have point to your shoulders. I just think, and you've seen that we've seen that in comic books, not flashpoint for people that think that pointy shoulders are flashpoint. They existed way before flashpoint existed. You know, these were, that was a, a thing being used in the comic books. Uh, even in the blue suit, uh, they do, they did it a lot in the eighties and such certain, um, certain illustrators. I feel like, uh, I feel like McFarlane's one of them. Mm-hmm, uh, for sure. You know, so it's something that I've loved, and I really wanted to put that in uh, for the suit. A, a, a friend actually just said to me, and it's true, and I never even considered it. I wanted it again in a very daredevil fashion, where it's padding and and um, and and uh, textural. I, I wanted a combo of that, something that seems protective, on top of being aesthetically pleasing. So, Rolo and I had had dished it out I, and and I told him what I wanted and then what he did was he drew that out so I said I wanted a quilted leather I went through the fabric store and I was looking and I found this quilted pleather that they had and I thought how great it would look for the ribbing for the shoulders and so he drew that out and on Napier's first suit he gave me and it's great there's no nothing wrong with the suit it's just the areas of which that looked were more uh, not as organic I, I use the word organic again, but it's truly the best word because it, it wasn't as textural. It didn't feel as natural. It's more of a of a print, uh, printed fabric, which is great and it looks phenomenal. Again, phenomenal. But I, I want something extra. So we're going to use both suits for different purposes. But the suit that I want to debut him in is a more padded suit, which is now being made for this by Unmasked Studios. Uh, and that paired with the the cowl i think is really going to look awesome on screen it's i mean it has to (laughs) fantastic so so you still have do you still have the original cowl and suit because you said you were going to okay of course i'm not going to use the original cowl but i'll have the original cowl in a and for people that don't know and i'm sure they do cowl is batman's mask i feel like i've said that word to some people like what the hell is that uh (laughs) i think anybody listening to this show knows (laughs) what the cowl is probably true probably true uh, a bunch of people are going to listen to that and make a face like, of course I know what a cowl is. Who doesn't know? Um, but well, I, it, myself being from, because I come from a, a, a fire department and, and medical background. So uh, you, at because you were 32 years old at the time when you had your stroke, right? Uh, 31, I think. 31. That's that's crazy to me because that's, that's very young for someone to have a stroke. Um so I'm just I'm I'm happy that you, you appear to be you appear to be healthy now. So so that's that's a very good thing. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm as you know, I'm decently healthy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> working on a diet uh, uh, for Batman specifically, 
uh, you know, there's a couple times you look at the mirror, you're like, I'm not ready to be Batman. What is this? You know, like, you know, last time I was all about going to the gym and making sure I was uh, trim and fit for the first one, but I'm not going to the gym now where they want you to wear masks. I just, I can't work out like that because I'll, I'll freaking pass out. That's to me, in my opinion, that's not as healthy as it should be. So, uh, but I am starting to diet, working out at home, going to try to get myself in a good shape for, uh, to at least fit in the suit, because even if you didn't see me shirtless in a scene, I, you know, you still got to fit in the suit. You know, if Michael Keaton was fat, he would have looked stupid as hell in the suit, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so now that we're coming back and you're, and you're going back into the show, what, what caused that revival? What made you decide you, you wanted to go back into this world? I was reading comments from episode one and there were so many people that, loved what was happening and were looking forward to it and you know we had a lot of fans on instagram and it's something i always felt guilty about aside from satisfying myself as an artist of making this it was me satisfying myself as a fan too and satisfying other people because i knew what other people were going through who wanted to watch episode two because i would have been incredibly frustrated as a fan being like damn it like we were so close i really wanted to see what they were gonna do like you know because mm -hmm. if you episode one without complimenting the team and myself that put it together i feel like if you watch episode one you imagine okay the people that put this together they care the right way so episode two is probably going to be great whenever we see the suit it's probably going to be done super well because they care and that wasn't able to be accomplished so i at least want to get an episode two out and done and then i think it'll be a lot easier to get momentum going for an episode three and four you know unfortunately the position we're in we're either going to need somebody to help us you know as a as a legitimate main producer we have a producer for this show is uh for this episode my buddy colin but you know to get to get even more producers on board to create a much uh, a bigger world if we can would be great to get i mean obviously the dream would be to see have a studio be like hey that's good enough let's try to make this happen for real on a big on a legitimate scale but you know that's mm -hmm. that the, the idea first and foremost is just giving myself and other fans something to watch and be entertained and you know something to not watch but rewatch. you know you want something that you can see a thousand times and never get tired of it you know i could watch the animated series over and over and over again and i and i do it's you know it's always i feel like it's always on in the background for me and they never get boring i love them every single time and i want to give some i want to give people the, the a human embodiment of that something you can something you can watch all the damn time um and when i saw the comments i was like you know what i have to do this like i have to have to have to so i you know i just i started reaching out to certain people like hey listen i'm gonna do this again like are you ready like are you on board yeah on board okay how much would this cost how much would that cost how much would this cost and started putting together a plan uh keith and i were have already been working on the cowl almost all of last year even before i was officially canceled before everything had happened uh you know after my stroke but before powell we were already in the process of creating the mask and and then we had stopped and then i got back at him and he was uh and we, we we've been going with momentum ever since and he literally just finished it last night as you saw and i'm so freaking happy with it i think it's i just think it's going to be a great on-screen visual i think it's going to create something the finale of swamp thing 
when he had when he got spiked shoulders and I thought and you saw like very silhouette visuals of him and stuff. It was so awesome. It just creates such a presence, you know, to have a dramatic silhouette like that, especially if you're going to film it in this very dark world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have showed me the cowl and I, I really appreciate you giving me those sneak peeks. And, and I, I have to say, I think it looks phenomenal and I can't wait to see it, uh, in, in live action. Thanks, man. I, I, I'm sure Keith would be happy to hear that too. It's, uh, it's seen the finished product with the sculpted shoulders and chest and such. I just, oh man, it was so cool. It was just, it's as again, it's one of those things where as a fan, I, I remember my very first cowl in life, I think I was like nine, and it was a Batman Forever cowl from Party City. And um, to be very, <laughs> to be honest, though, too, for what it was, it was great. It was as legit as a Halloween mask comes. Uh, and that was such a, a thrill to wear at the time. So now being able to wear it um, as an adult is still that much of a thrill, except it's also as uncomfortable as anyone would assume it to be. You can't hear. You're sweaty as hell. <laughs> And uh, so it looks badass, but it feels like shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. And I don't know if I showed you. I don't recall if I showed you the Batmobile that we have. Uh, oh, no. So let me see if I could send it to you right now while we're doing this. I'm sure Instagram still works. So I'll, I'll try to send it to you there. Um, and this way you can get you can get a peek at it. If Let me see where these pictures are. Uh, okay, hold on. It's it's totally worth it's incredible. So, but the fact that I get to wear the bat suit while I'm driving the Batmobile, I mean, holy bat boner! You know what I mean? That's 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 for sure. Yeah, that is that's one hell of an experience. That's gonna that mixed with the Alfred thing. I mean, I'm not gonna be able to sleep at night. I uh, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, just. It's that's again, that's one of those things where that's a kid's dream. And when I already have it in mind that when I get to, I got to bring it. My dad's a huge Batman fan, too. I should have included that in the story of how I got into Batman, uh, because I'm going to take if, if I'm privileged by the owner of the Batmobile, I'm going to take it and take drive my father around in it because I think he'd get a thrill out of that, too. Um, all right. I'm sending it to you right now on Instagram. There you go. And uh this guy lives on Long Island, where I live. He built it uh, with the help of a company that actually makes Batmobiles out here. And um, oh, that's that's phenomenal. That's really awesome. Yeah, right. He and I can't even take credit for that. That's all. That's all. Uh, Rick. He uh, Rick Paoletta. I, I, it's the first time I've said it out loud, and I hope I pronounce the last name right. It's not often you use it when you're addressing somebody, but. I think, yeah, Rick Paoletta, he, he owns it out here. And, and I saw a picture of it online. I thought it was such a cool thing. You know, it's it's obviously, as you see, it's the 60s. Any, anybody could look it up at this point based on the details I said anyway. But it's a, a 1966 Lincoln Futura uh, modified to his own vision. It has a matte black coating over it. The only thing that we'll probably digital take out of it is a... Uh, is the logo that he has it says bat rod on the on the the door but the door <laughs> lamborghini style and he's got the hood scoop i just thought it was such a cool thing you know there's some people that are going to hate on the actual uh details of the fact that you know oh in the 60 because i've had some people be like oh well how's he protected from the top why would he have it open like that yeah and 
no shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, of course. I know that. You know that. But this is a comic book world, and it's an opportunity to have a really cool car on screen. You know, I'll make up some sort of digital magnetism that keeps bullets out of, you know what I mean? Like, for uh, sure, yeah. Some Wayne technology, a force field that you can't see if it makes you feel better. We'll lie and say that. But uh, <laughs> overall, it's just, it's like, you know what? It's just a really cool opportunity. As a Batman fan, I would enjoy seeing it. I wouldn't be totally, you know, as long as it's filmed right and not corny. I think I'd be I'd be super thrilled to see it. It wouldn't bother me at all. In some comic books, uh, even modern comic books, you'll see. I, I forget what what comic book it was most recently, but where you flip through. Maybe it was was it Tom King run? I can't remember where you're you're flipping through, and in the Batcave is like every Batmobile that's existed, you know, since the beginning of time. Oh, they do that in a ton of them. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know what I'm saying though? Like in, in there you see you see like the old forties Buick, you see the sixty-six Futura. You just just enjoy the presence of what you know, suspend your disbelief. Yeah, for sure. So we know we've got the, the cow and the suit coming. We we now know we've got a Batmobile coming. Um, what else can we look forward to with the show? Do do you have a date in mind for the second episode? Uh I, I don't want to say any day because in case we don't make it, I'm hoping I'm hoping by the winter. Uh, mm. That's my hope. I'd like to start this. I'd like to start filming in August. I would like to be done filming by November, and then and then you know I'll, I'll just be editing them. Well, it'll be probably be myself and our new cinematographer, who's just uh, the dude's got such chops, man. Uh, James Morano, he. He, I'm, he's just incredible. I met him through the studio. I was going to work on episode two with the guy who runs the studio, Alex and uh, Kings Park Studio. He's also a good cinematographer, but he's super busy. And that led me just, to, he shared something online of James that he filmed. And I was just like, oh my God, I have to get this dude involved in this. Like, it's going to look so good. You know, the, the person who was on episode one, you know, can't do it anyway so to have somebody step in and just help take it to a, 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 a such a great level his work if you look him up on instagram james Rano, it's so freaking great so him and i are probably going to edit in the process of filming it and then the hope is to have it out by the winter that's that's truly my goal i think uh i think that's a good time for a batman movie to come out anyway you know you look at batman returns and i think a lot of batman fans arguably will tell you that's a christmas movie <laughs> it's on my christmas list every year to watch so. me too i mean it's it's but in, in my defense i also watch it at least like 10 times throughout the year so right so i know that the the first episode was was very ground level very detective batman um do you have any plans for the future of maybe introducing some of the rogues gallery into the series or are we are we going to stick to the to the ground villains um no there will be a rogues gallery uh for sure you know how deep we're able to get into it is going to be really up to the fans to if they want you know to help see this through with us if they you know because we're going to try to do what we can as long as we can but we'll see but there is a a a plan for i'd say a good a good bit of of the gallery you know the main the main components 
we have an idea for Joker, we have an idea for Penguin, we have an idea for Catwoman. I mean, and I have actors for all of these people too, uh, ready to go at any time. Uh, we have a Harley Quinn, as I as was shared on Instagram a, a while back. Um, we have. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. I had an. Oh, I have Killer Croc. Uh, oh wow, really? Yeah, I had. A, I have a really cool idea for for Killer Croc. The the story behind episode one, as you see, that there's a a drug epidemic going on within Gotham, similar to, you know, not necessarily to bite off, but it's a, it's just a general concept. I feel like a lot of stories always use and uh, Daredevil kind of did it. It wasn't necessarily an epidemic as much as it was just drug trafficking, but we're going to do, we're going to combine both ideas where there's a, a drug epidemic and getting to the bottom of who this is. And that drug is going to have a giant play on the characters. If you look up the drug, it's not giving anything away because we're, we're doing our own version of the drug. It's called Everest, but in, as I think it says it on the, uh, on the fake newspaper that was made in part one. But if you want, and if you look up the, the, the drug crocodile or crocodile, I forget what it's, how it's actually pronounced, but it's a huge drug. I believe it's over in Russia. It's a, a decimorphine and uh, Vince Calora, the makeup artist had mentioned it in, uh, in conversation as a suggestion of possible ideas for episode one. And when I looked up the side effects to it, if you do uh, have a strong stomach because it's the side effects of taking that drug, you know, the benefits that you're getting, or I should say benefits, but the reason people are using the drug is for a heroin-like kind of uh, high, but the side effects are literal body parts falling off and pieces of skin falling off. So yeah, it's like who, who in their right mind would look at that and be like, you know what? I think it's worth it. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, is my calf gone? Sure. But did I have a good night last night? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so, but so the idea is just generally speaking, if people look up that drug and just start using their imagination, you'll probably just get some ideas of where we're probably headed. I don't want to, I'm not going to dive into it as you know, to give anything away, but you could use your imagination to just imagine that what different versions of this drug could possibly do to people. Uh, we also have an idea for Scarecrow, which is going to be super cool. Also, uh, I feel like when you think about it, to be honest, right, like all the Batman villains kind of are, uh, there's a chemical that never gets really mentioned, right? There's a chemical that burns Harvey's face. There's a chemical that the Joker falls into. There's a chemical that creates this person, that person. So, we're going to try to just identify that chemical. Oh yeah. That's, that's a, that's a pretty neat concept. Well, I, I, am excited and I'm looking forward to everything you're going to bring us. Um, I, now I know that you have a GoFundMe set up, uh, to, to help out with the, with the costs of the show and things like that. So, so tell, tell the listeners about the GoFundMe and where they can find it and just explain all about that. Uh, yeah, the, the GoFundMe is set up for help and assistance in this. Any any bit really helps. It it's a tough thing, like I said, getting an episode moving and and flowing when you're just a regular person, not a professional filmmaker. So, or I should say, not a uh, produced filmmaker. So, because every I don't want to insult anybody on the team is totally professional. You know, not myself, of course, but <laughs> uh, and. Yeah, if they go to GoFundMe and they look up Batman the Fan Series, they'll find it where 
for me, I, there's a little video there of me talking about the reasons that we've now discussed of why, you know, it's been so long since episode two, uh, shows a couple of my, my favorite Batman pieces uh, of memorabilia, which I do love. And so the, I, you know, if they, the, I'm hoping, I don't really see a section on the website for rewards, but uh, that might be, maybe that's more of a Kickstarter thing. We use GoFundMe, but my plan is to, at the end, after episode two is finished and episode, you know, we're on our way to moving towards a different episode. And hopefully if it was successful enough, the the idea is to give everybody a couple different awards. Like I said earlier, I'm going to print out the storyboard books that Rolo, uh, that Rolo drew and print them up with the script and send those out to people. I think that's, for, like I said, for me, if I was a fan of any production, if, you know, Batman Dead End is one of my favorite uh, fan films or just, I should say, just favorite um, Batmans in general. And I would have, I would love to see a storyboard book for that. You know, if there was an area where I could pick one up, I, I would totally get that. So I figure if anybody really likes it and they put money forward, I'll send them things like that. Stickers. We have a couple posters. We'll have more posters by that time too. Uh, currently the posters were drawn with the previous suit in mind. So we'll have new, some new things drawn up and, just some fun this way to say thank you to anybody donating uh, right now. They could also go on the Batman, the fan series, Instagram, and it's, it's the link in the bio. Uh, and they could click that and episode one's available within the story of that too. Cause I had to switch links. So I figured I wanted everybody to still have a, an easy clickable pure path right to episode one. And there's actually a couple, I think actually episode one, it's not even in episode one, but it's, two of my favorite things we tried to create the uh the videos of vicky vale and then we created summer gleason and mm -hmm. that to me that was fun i'm going to try to do a couple things like that too to get episode one just a little couple little hype videos to put you in the world before we before we're officially there and i'm hoping that we'll be able to kind of keep everybody in touch i'm not really i'm going to use instagram as the hub for everything and a uh, source of information and then hopefully people will still be guided towards the GoFundMe. It, it's super helpful and everybody involves obviously incredibly thankful. I'd say that the GoFundMe is going to be used more towards episode three than it will be episode two because episode two is kind of already in the process, but we want to be able to have an episode three, not too far behind. We already have right. episode three written. So it would be awesome just to have nice current momentum. That's amazing, man. Yeah. Um, I, I would, I would highly, uh, encourage anyone who, who has seen the show to, to, to go give a little bit of, to that GoFundMe if you can. Uh, and, and that's awesome that you're giving, that you have a plan to give back to the people who, who do donate. So that's really cool. Um, but I've kept you for almost an hour. I want to be respectful of your time, but yeah, I, I, you've given us the GoFundMe. Tell us where we can find you and the show on social media. Uh, well, I'll be performing at the strip club up no, <laughs> to earn more money for episode two. No, uh, <laughs> no, uh, on Instagram, uh, my personal page is Matthew Zeiss, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-Z-E-I-S-S. -S. And cause I don't want to be one of those fools. People are like, Oh, is it one T? Be like, who the hell do you know with one T in their name? Damn it. Um, <laughs> but then uh, Batman the fan series is obviously the page that you should actually go to if you're listening because it's you'll see some stuff from last last episode which we had some fun posts created by a bunch of different people a bunch of I wouldn't even call it fan art it was more art fans because these people just 
phenomenal artists that helped deliver a bunch of stuff, put up a couple of clips, and we'll be I'll be doing that at the probably later today. Honestly, I'm going to be posting a cool, probably I'm thinking about posting a teaser of the cowl. Very much a teaser though, nothing over revealing. More so leaves you saying, "Hey, I want to see the rest of that damn image." And uh, so people could check us out on Instagram, and, and I appreciate it. it was a it was a good hour, as you could see. I'm a I'm a bundle of information. I just talk and talk till someone stops me, uh, especially about Batman. Oh, I appreciate it because uh, I'm the same way when it comes to Batman. Uh, so yeah, absolutely go follow Batman the Fan Series on Instagram. Uh, not only does Matthew post things about the show, but he's he's constantly posting awesome Batman content on it, on the stories on that page. So yeah, it's it's a really fun follow. So make sure you go check him out. Matthew, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, maybe maybe in the future, maybe when the second episode comes comes out, we can get you back on to break down the first two. I would love that. That'd be great. I, I'd I'd love to do that. Maybe we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it visually. Do a uh, like a live watch, and I'll explain everybody the episode as we watch it. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, thank you, Matthew. Cool. I appreciate you having me, man. It was really, really great. Thank you for reaching out and asking. It's genuine, genuinely, wow, genuinely appreciated. Good thing we're ending the call. I can't talk anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll, we'll talk to you later, buddy. All right, man. Be good. Once again, to Matthew Zeiss for coming on the show. That was such a fun interview. Matthew's enthusiasm is infectious, as is his passion for Batman. And that was my experience with Matthew from the first time I messaged him asking if he would come on the show. He, uh, he provided me with the music from his intro on the series that I've used here on this episode. So another big thanks for that, Matthew. As you heard, he even gave me little behind-the-scenes sneak peeks at the cowl and the suit that he'll be donning for the show, and he even showed me the Batmobile they will be using, and it looks awesome. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Uh, but if you if you haven't seen the pilot episode yet, I implore you to look it up on YouTube. I definitely think it's worth your time. Also, if you feel so inclined, to check out the GoFundMe that Matthew has set up for the series. These projects are not cheap, and every little bit helps. Um, I will link the GoFundMe as well as where to follow Matthew and the series in the description for this episode. But if you'd like to find me on social media, my personal accounts can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Vero at MeCarter89. That's M-E-Carter89. Once again, if you'd like to find the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. Our email is TFRBatPod at gmail.com. And if you would be kind enough to take just a few seconds out of your day to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, we would sure appreciate it. It really helps out the show. And if you leave us an email or a um, review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it live on the show. So, until next time, as Matthew Zeiss's Matches Malone says, that's my cue.
Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with AT&T, Warner Brothers, or DC Comics. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the participants are solely theirs and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening.